FM 96.3 AM 620. News Talk WVMT. Welcome back to the Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Ken here this morning. And joining us in studio now, it's Vermont State Auditor of Accounts, Doug Hoffer. Good morning, Doug. Good morning. Uh, and so, Doug, uh, I first want to ask you, just to remind me, how many years have you been the Auditor of Accounts now? Ooh, over 10. Wow. I, I was elected in 12, took, first took office in 13. Boy, that, that flew by. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> I'm just remembering when you became, I, I was going to say six years. Only be, That just happens to me on a regular basis where I think of something at, at my age now. And I'm like, holy cow, that was. <laughs> now I'm trying right. to think who you replaced. Tom Salmon. Tom oh, Salmon. Right, yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. Yep. It and has been a while. Who served for three terms. And right. This is now my sixth. And before that, I think it was Randy Brock. Randolph, yes, who I still deal with. Of course, he's still in the Senate. Very and active. then there was the Auditor of Accounts who seemed like they were there forever. Alexander. Well, no, there was there were two others. There was Liz Reedy. Oh, right, Liz, of course. Liz and Reedy. before that, um, the fellow I did some work for, you, you don't remember? He was there for four terms, and then he ran against Jim Jeffords in 2000. Ed Flanagan. Oh, of course, Ed Flanagan. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was a guy, well, Alexander Acebo. There were three guys in the 20th century who served for 20 years or more. Yeah, I just remember always seeing his name on the ballot. Every time I go to vote, there it was. He just passed a few years ago. Oh, did he? Yeah. And, of course, Ed Flanagan. I forgot and, about that. And Ed a Flanagan. guy you know, his mother, her husband died when John Franco was young. She married Acebo. So when Johnny was a kid, the license plate number five was in his driveway. Wow. <laughs> interesting. Some interesting little... You could have used that in your College of Knowledge stuff, Ken. I know, I know. You have, now you have license plate five? Is I that do. The I don't have to have it, but it's Joe DiMaggio's number, so why not? Yeah. You know? Now, see, yeah. I would have known that one, too. <laughs> I, I just learned recently how the how those license plates are done by the governor. Yeah. yeah. I didn't I didn't. Oh, they're not done by that. him. Oh, they aren't done by him. No, they're set. Oh, okay. They're all set. I don't know that a governor may have had some influence. I didn't, at some point. I, you know, I, I'd seen them, but I didn't know yeah. exactly what the pecking order was and all of them and everything. So it's quite cool. It doesn't have anything to do with the power of my office. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's uh, let's get into a couple issues here, Doug. Um, so the, Devo- the Vermont Department of Public Service adopted a ten-year telecommunications plan. Um, this is a story in VT Digger and other places as well. Uh, you have been critical of this plan. Can you lay out what your criticism of the 10-year plan is? And they have to update this plan because of changes in technology. The 10-year plan has to be updated every three years? Correct, yeah. And to be clear, uh, we didn't criticize the substance of the plan necessarily. What we criticized, what we criticized, what we noted was what we perceived as some shortcomings. And, you know, when people are a little annoyed and defensive, they turn shortcomings into deficiencies. We never said they were deficiencies. But in any case, uh, the plan uh, is really important, as you know. It is different than the 10-year electric plan, which involves regulated utilities. As you know, I'm sure, uh, from your time in the legislature, uh, IT and broadband stuff is not technically regulated by the state, by federal law, which is unfortunate in my view and those that of many others. So this is a little bit different, but still is addressing a massive hole in the state's infrastructure, as we all know. And the state has spent a whole bunch of federal money trying to advance this over the last few years. But um, the plan from 21, the last plan, we thought had some shortcomings, and we pointed them out. And the point was the new plan is under development right now. So we couldn't very well audit that because it's active. 
what we wanted to do was inform both the public service department and the consultants who were working for them that, hey, here are some issues you might want to consider because the, the RFP and the contract are virtually the same as it was back in 20 and 21. So we thought, now's the time. If, if you want to make some changes, this is what we recommend. And what you have said, according to the article, is you said it's, that it's impossible to measure progre- progress towards the state's goals. Yeah, there aren't uh, performance metrics the way you would like to see them. And I think in a letter in response from both the consultants and the commissioner, uh, they tried to draw this distinction between electric utilities, which are directly regulated by the Public Utility Commission, and these folks, uh, not these folks, but the CUDs and others who are participating in the development of this broadband landscape. It's not quite the same. Well, that's true. On the other hand, the state, using federal money for the most part, has distributed hundreds of millions of dollars, and with that goes some leverage. And furthermore, if the board, uh, the, the Vermont Community Broadband Board, which has responsibility over the CUDs, and the Department of Public Service want to be held accountable, there have to be some measures. Otherwise, you just keep limping along year after year after year saying, how are we doing? Well, you know, we're making progress. How much? Right. Now, that seems like a fair... So now, June Tierney and the consultants have disagreed. Uh, this, again, is the Digger article. And they have noted that the department is subject to a high level of oversight. The body regularly appears before several legislative committees where the agency's work is closely scrutinized and legislators check check in on the progress that the department's making on matters such as objectives that are discussed in the state's telecom plan, she wrote. Um, What do you... How do you respond to their response to you, which is it seems like they are almost bristling at uh, what they obviously they you don't call criticism. You just say that you're noting these things and they they seem to take it as 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 real criticism. Well, they definitely did. And that's not uncommon, although it's not what you prefer when you put out a report from our office. You, You like the old response from people like Andy Polito when he was head of corrections years ago. He said, that's good work. Those are great recommendations. We're going to get right on it. And the media loved that because there was no, didn't love it because there was no conflict. <laughs> and the story ended. But as to how uh, the commissioner responded, I'm disappointed because to say that we go before committees is nice. But with all due respect to the legislature, they're doing 12 things at once. They're busy. This is a, you know, a 300-page report. How many people actually read in close reading these kinds of documents? Not many. So... I disagree strongly that that should be a measure of whether the report is adequate or not. That's not it, really. And, well, and furthermore, I should add that uh, one thing they did when, in, in regard to this particular question where they, we said there aren't performance metrics, the response from the consultants was, well, the statute doesn't explicitly require that. Oh, please. You know, come on. You guys have the responsibility for a 10-year plan. If you don't think that performance metrics are required... One, you get to say that the legislature changed the law, or two, just do it. Do you think they're going to complain? I don't think so. So they're kind of going by the letter of the of saying, you know, we don't have to do this. We're meeting the state requirements. You're saying that it's something that obviously ought to be done. Remember the timing. We're, we did this in the midst of the development of the 2024 plan, thinking that they might say, oh, well, that's a good point. We can add that to the scope of work for the consultant, but they didn't. Uh, what do you What do you think will be the response from the legislative committee, Senator Cummings? Is, is quoted in here as saying she didn't find this earth shattering, but she said they will they'll take a look at all this. What well, do you think is the What do you think the legislative committees ought to do with what you're with the I won't well, call it a critique, but the but the points that you're noting well, here. 
we're going to be testifying undoubtedly before those committees and the joint IT committee is supposed to be meeting before the session and Randy Brock, Senator Brock is the chair, I think the outgoing chair. So we'll talk to them and see what their uh, feeling is about this. It's up to them. We can only issue the reports and hope that the information is you know, reasonable and compelling. Uh, I hope that they would consider the importance of performance metrics, that the legislature has been talking for years about accountability. And the only way to do that is to say, this is how we're going to measure success. It won't always be perfect. Sometimes it'll be challenging, but you have to try. And as for, you know, a couple of key issues like affordability, we said, you, you really don't, you didn't get it. And it's a goal. It's a specific goal in the statute. And they said, well, we addressed it. Well, yeah, if you, if you search the document, it's mentioned about 40 times. But where is the definition of affordability and where is the recommendation? You know what the recommendation on affordability is? Let me read this. Closing the gap in access across the state should be accompanied by uh, addressing issues like affordability. The plan recommends CUDs include subsidy programs for low-income subscribers. Is that a recommendation? They're saying the CUD should do it. That's my point. By, uh, by saying it should be addressed isn't addressing the issue to me. And it's obviously a huge issue, which involves a lot of taxpayer money. Yeah. Uh, and affordability should always be, I would think, should always be at the top of mind for all of us. Yeah. It's complicated in IT. Very complicated. And nobody would deny that, but I, I think they missed it. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, if they, if no changes were made as a result of what you have noted here, where do you think this would leave us with the with a, plan, with a plan that doesn't answer a couple of key questions? How will this serve low-income Vermonters? Uh, and what is the point of, of running fiber by every household in the state if a significant percentage of them can't afford to buy the service when it was supposed to be universal? Not just access, but use <clears throat> and availability. Uh, and the other is, why wait another three years? I mean, is somebody going to take responsibility for this? And, and, you know, in parallel is the work of the VCBB, the Broadband Board, they have distributed hundreds of millions of dollars to these CUDs, which are, they just were born, except for one, as you know, uh, EC Fiber. They're brand new. They're tiny. They don't have any history. They don't have the expertise. They're having to pay for expertise. They have no leverage against the providers who they negotiated these contracts with, and they're supposed to solve these problems. I don't think they have the capacity. We're talking with Vermont's Auditor of Accounts, Doug Hoffer. If you have a question for Doug, give us a call on the McKenzie Country Classic Hotline, 888-414-0303. And, uh, Doug, one more before we hit a break, which is um, in regard to the sheriffs. I mean, obviously, you have had to take a look. We've had many issues with sheriff departments across the state. Um, do you think that the legislative, the action that the legislature took is sufficient to deal with some of the issues that we've run into? It's hard to say. Uh, it's a start. Uh, we thought they could do a little more. We had some proposals for them, but I, I'm glad they responded. We have huge turnover in the sheriffs. You know, I, the most right. the most in one election cycle that, during my tenure. So hopefully, uh, with better training and better attention from the state's attorneys and sheriffs department, uh, a fellow you used to serve with, and and Annie Noonan, who I'm sure you know. Oh yeah. You know they're very interested in this, but they don't. They can't compel the sheriffs to do things. But in any case, we're moving in the right direction. But I think there's more to be done. All right, uh, we need to take a break now and uh... drive on FM ninety six three and AM six twenty News Talk WVMT. All right. 
right, everybody. We are back on the morning drive. Curtin Ken here, and we're talking with the auditor of accounts, Doug Hoffer. If you have a question for Doug, give us a call on the McKenzie Country Classic Hotline, 888-414-0303. And Doug, now let's talk about another issue that you have been following, looking into, and reporting on. Can I just compliment you on the choice of that music for the lead-in? That was Little Feet. I love that song. See? It's a great there song. There you go. <clears throat> did you, you know that, Kurt? Of course I did. <laughs> <laughs> and I can say that because I don't... Because... No one can say otherwise. I don't know if you heard the trivia, the trivia game, Doug, but... Uh, he didn't do that well. We can't get into that, Ken. No, we can't get into that. Lost again. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, after seven years... Two and a half million dollars invested of taxpayer monies. This was to to uh, create a dental therapy program at the Vermont Technical College. Seven years later, we don't still don't have that. What has gone wrong? Why has that two and a half million dollars not in not investment not worked? What's what's the problem here? A number of issues, and uh, to be clear, that the, the two point five is not all public money. The majority of it came from a variety of philanthropies. The state's in, I think, for about 600000 something like that, which is not peanuts, but it's not the 2.5. In any case, uh, just so people will know, dental therapy is defined as a, a space between dental hygienists and dentists. Hygienists can't do a lot of things. Dental therapists, by definition, can do some very simple things, like work on a cavity, you know, actually work on your body. Uh, and there are a couple of states who have done this already. Uh, Washington State, uh, Alaska, and I think Minnesota. And it started, I think, because on some Indian reservations where they had tremendous unmet need and they had direct access to federal money, which helped. So uh, some people in Vermont, some advocates, as well as some people at the Vermont Technical College and some legislators said, hey, this makes sense because we know even the Department of Health reports that there's a dental gap right. in rural low-income parts of Vermont. And you know where they don't have as many dentists, maybe we can deploy some of these people. And the Vermont Technical College already has a dental hygienist program, so it's a natural add-on to that. So Would this be akin to like a nurse practitioner? Yes, yeah, very much so. So uh, everybody agreed and said this makes sense. And uh, the former head of the, the uh, hygiene program actually found some grant money to pay a director for the first year or two who was hired, a woman who was a dentist actually, and uh, seemed very anxious to do this and help. And she found some other money uh, from the federal government, HRSA, HRSA, and that was about 1.6. It was going to be 400 per year, and it had to be matched and all this other stuff. But in the, in the process, a lot of things happened. The state colleges were facing an existential threat about their future and reorganization. I don't think this was a priority. There was turnover both above the dental hygiene school and within it, so the level of support varied over time. Uh, this process had to go through what's called the CODA, which is the national organization that accredits dental-related programs, and it's sort of a guild. They protect the industry, but they it's complicated, and they demand a lot from the state or program that wants to do this, and that took time. So the woman who was hired as the director contracted with some people who had done it before, the only ones in the country who had done it before out west, and it took them a while, but they got together a draft, and it was very close to completion, and for some reason, the administration felt it wasn't ready. They weren't sure about which way to go, so they postponed it. She then resigned and is now, she's a Burlingtonian, about to move to Washington State and to, to run their program. So they, they were just up in the air, and they wanted to hire another uh, replacement for her to direct the program. They've gone out searching for that person three times now without success. So it's just sitting there. 
Uh, but given the timeline from hiring a new director, uh, getting back into the CODA application process, I don't think they could have students for another two or three years. And how important is this, Doug, in terms of, um, I know that we, we, the goal was for us to be the first state to start a program like th- this in the northeastern United States uh, because I guess this would be give us a leg up on recruitment, that type of thing. And uh, it looks like with these delays, uh, it, we may not end up being the first one. And again, it's not just as simple as, oh, we just want to be first. It's, it could hurt you in terms of recruitment, right? Yes. And uh, to be clear, I, I understood we interviewed the now departing or departed director and she had been contacted by some folks in Maine from their state colleges who were interested. And then there was the possibility of a regional uh, development. And that's gone. I think Maine is now beginning to move on its own and might get there before us, which is fine. But they have their own needs. So, you know, any graduates from that program probably wouldn't come here. They'd start stay in Maine. It's unfortunate that the need is still there. Right. What's the what's the lesson to be learned in this when we I mean, is it that more money wouldn't have made the difference, right? I don't think so. We're back to this question of performance. You know, when the legislature says just generally or to a particular organization, here's some taxpayer money. Here's what we hope to achieve with this money. Please do your best and report back to us on a regular basis. And as you would imagine, there were some officials from the state colleges who did go into committee on occasion, but it was mostly to ask for money. And they were rather loose in their definition of, hey, we're almost there. The legislature, as you well know, is too busy, and it's rare that people can dig into every single smallish issue that comes in the door. So there wasn't the kind of accountability in in real time as there needs to be. Now, Doug, we're almost out of time here, but what uh, as we head toward another legislative session, a little it's coming up fast now, a little less than three months, uh, they'll be back. Um, there was an issue I know that where the court had sort of made your job more difficult. The legislature could take care of this issue. Where do we stand on this? Is this something that you are going to go into committee and and pursue? Where do we stand with that issue? If you give us a quick well, thank synopsis. you for raising that. That's the Supreme Court decision about the question of getting access to a private company's records if we're trying to audit their performance under a contract with the state. And the Supreme Court said, no, you don't have that authority. Uh, so we got a bill through the Senate without too much trouble. Took the bill to the House Government Operations Committee, and they are not yet clear about how they're going to respond so it, i'm disappointed but we're going to try again so you'll be back in front of uh you'll be back in front in front of the house government operations committee trying to get them to go along with the senate bill correct any idea what the why they're saying we're not clear what we're going to do is there well is i there can some... tell i can tell you that the administration deployed some resources some very significant resources agency secretaries commissioners and others who went into the senate and house committees and said you know, we don't really need the auditor to, to have this authority. We, we take care of it. Well, that isn't true. Departments and agencies of the state don't do gagas audits. They said, we always check the performance of our contractors. <clears throat> That's not the same as a gagas audit. And furthermore, if you really did that, then, we, then all of the audits we've done over my entire 10-year tenure would have had no findings. Give me a break. Anything else, <laughs> anything else coming up big in the office? Well, a couple of things. We're revisiting EB-5 now that the litigation is just about over, and we will complete that report, which we put in abeyance because of the the lawsuits. Uh, We have some interesting audit work being done about a very expensive uh, business incentive program that the governor created last year out of thin air. So, yeah, no, we have some good stuff. The EB-5 one, I mean, I continue to feel like uh, there are things that Vermont 
Vermonters deserve to know about in terms of we know that people have gone to jail now, as they should have. What we what we don't know is totally what the state's role was in this. We, we know a lot about it, but we still don't. There's still some questions out there that I, I personally would like to see answered. We are going to answer them. All right. That's good to hear. Good. All right. Thank you. That's uh, Vermont State Auditor of Accounts, Doug Hoffer. Thanks for being on the show today and, and uh, cluing us in on a few of these big issues. Sure, thank you. And uh, Ken, that sends us toward the news and